Hey y'all, this is your host, Elise Robinson, with Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. I hope these stories will inspire you to switch careers. I was an auditor in my past life, and now I'm in tech. And let's get to it. We are Switch Into Tech. Tech resources to accelerate your career in information technology. Monthly classes on tech topics. We offer free or discounted exam vouchers, scholarships, free Udemy courses, free events, free boot camps, and more. You can find us at www.switchintotech.org. Hey, y'all. It is Elise Robinson with Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. Today we got Carla, and I mean, I'm excited to have her because she was an economist in her past life. Now she in tech. Go ahead, do your thing, Carla. Thank you for having me, Elise. I greatly appreciate it. You know, a little bit about me. I have over 15 years experience in IT, cloud and project management, both the private and public sectors. And I work um, as certified PMP and tech all around the globe. So I've had colleagues and companies on several different continents. And I'm just very happy to be interviewed by you today. Have you worked on different um, continents or just? Yes, um, actually, I've had places where I had to work in London, with London, England. I actually traveled there. And I also had colleagues that when I was doing the international teaching space and technical training, I had to work with people in Africa as well as in India. So I have a significant amount of global experience in dealing with people, teams and all type of work. All right. Yeah, no, te- I guess technically I never worked overseas. I was supposed to do China, but that's, yeah. that's the whole story for another day. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I worked for the military, they were like, yeah, you can go to Abu Dhabi. And uh, my uh, my boss lived in London and you could go to uh, Italy, Korea, what's some other places, Germany. So, you know, but life happens. Um okay. What did you want to be when you grew up? When I grew up, yeah. the, my career when I when I grew up, I initially wanted to be a chemist. I changed so many careers. I remember for Christmas, my mother giving me this uh, science kit, and it actually had like um, a, a, back in the day, it actually had a live animal. It actually had like a frog in formaldehyde. And I, I I cut it up in everything. I was very happy. I was going to be the best chemist ever, do all the experience. Um, I had taken like four years of science. So I took uh, the general science, biology. I didn't take chemistry, but I took physics. I took botany. So I took a lot of science and I took a computer science when I was in high school. And that really, really helped me with math, um, especially when I transitioned from statistics to cybersecurity, because a lot of it is anomaly detection, which is based on standard deviation. So that that background really helped me a lot. Um, I'm trying to think. 
I mean, I always loved physics and I, I really did love chemistry, but I was like, that's too much work. I mean, I looked at the classes and I was like, you know, I went to community college because I barely graduated high school <laughs> um, at first. And uh, I'm like three hours for lab. I'm like, yeah, this this ain't going to work. So more power to people that are chemists and physicists and biologists because yeah. I I wasn't about that life. I just, I couldn't do it, um, you know, because I, I came from the part where online was just getting started. So a lot of my classes online, you know, I took English and um, a whole bunch of computer science classes online and stuff. And I'm like, I ain't going to school if I don't have to. <laughs> um, so what was your first career? Like, what did you study and, and all that good sure. stuff? Sure. Uh, my, my first career when I studied, I initially wanted to do communication because I wanted to start my own, my own like newspaper, my own online everything. And then I ended up in economics and I ended up in economics because it was interesting to me. And I just continued from there. I took an internship in Washington, D.C. through the Washington Center. I was the first person in my small college to go. And that was actually my first career switch because I had a dual major of international economics and Spanish. My interning there made me decide that I wanted to keep my economic major, but minor in Spanish. And it was like eight years to the day I interned there. I actually ended up working as a paid economist for the government. So it was amazing that like one block away from where I interned, I actually ended up working there. So did you get a master's in econ, a PhD? No, just my bachelor's was in economics. Okay. My my master's was in business administration. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because, um, yeah, you you look at some of those job bulletins and I don't, I don't think that I've yes, ever seen a five or seven. Why, uh, yes, why I relocated. <laughs> Economist. Because, um, I was a, I, I'm, I'm a native Clevelander and Cleveland has the fourth district federal reserve. Well, in order to be an economist there, you need a PhD. And I was like, well, I don't think I need a PhD to be an economist. So since I interned in DC, I just applied for like a federal government mission and I got one. So I just relocated and ended up working in my major. And I think that that was the, the, the biggest thing for me, being able to work in my major to say, okay, this is what I went to school with. This is what I did. And you get a lot of validation from saying, okay, I studied something and I actually need to work in it and I actually get to apply in it. So that that was something of a career switch because normally uh, when people, you know, whether it's high school or anything, once they finish, they usually stay within the area. So the fact that I had to move to get to, get to work in my major, that was the first career switch because I was the only person there. The majority of my family at the time was still in Cleveland, Ohio and in Northeast Ohio. So the fact that I had to go out there, you know, myself, um, that was very different. The climate is different. Like here off the lake, you get over seasons. If you, if you ever lived and worked in DC, it's not the same thing. Now, granted those Southerners have never dealt with snow. <laughs> But also the heat, that's something I had to get used to. Uh, but, but yeah, going to DC, it really strengthened me both personally and professionally. And that was something that I felt really helped me um, in, in life, just being able to switch like that, to keep going 
and to, to figure things out. Um, yeah, no, I, I can agree with the moving because I'm originally from Sacramento, California. Shout out to Sacktown. <laughs> and I tried and tried to find a job in my city, you know, because I never I never really thought about moving away from home. My parents lived in the same city their whole lives. My mother died in the same city, you know. So for me to move to Boston and work for the IRS, it was like, yeah, you don't, you don't do that. <laughs> so, so I, I can totally relate, you know, like, I won't say that I'm country or anything like that, because Cleveland is pretty country, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, of course I come from a Southern background. My, my grandparents are Southern on both sides. Matter of fact, my, uh, my grandparents on my father's side come from Ohio. So, um, so yeah, no, they, they, they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> they thought I was insane. Um, well, so after that, what did you do? Louisville. She's from the South. Uh, my paternal grandmother was born in Macon, Georgia. My paternal grandfather was born in, in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. So yeah, they came up North and just was like, well, we're going to be here. <laughs> like a, Oh, about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm like, I, you know, I used to ask my grandparents, I'm like, why did you move to Sacramento? Like, ew, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because when I moved to, to Boston, Boston almost killed me with the snow because, you know, uh, Sacramento, I think is third of the most sunniest places and you can go weeks without seeing the sun in Boston. And yeah. then, you know, I moved to other couple places after that. And I, I, I was like, I moved to LA. LA was just everything to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Um, so after being an economist, where'd you go? I transitioned to another agency outside of commerce and it was more traditional. Um, where I was at, um, it was like, like, you know, the general schedule is the regular standard government. It had a pay band when I first got there. So I, I had to, I was on an alternative schedule. Risk was okay because you would get more bonuses, but it was more manager discretion. But one of the reasons why I, um, I uh, applied for a promotion and left the agency was because I got selected for a leadership development program. And I came back and um, it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. And I saw one of the, the people in the cohort in the program, she stayed on at Main Commerce with the headquarters and she got like a promotion. So I was like, well, how did you do that? She said program analysis. So I looked it up and I got project management. While I was at my agency as an economist, I got my certified associate in project management, which is the junior level certification if you're going to a project management institute, that's the creator of the project management professional, which is the more senior certification. So I got that and um, I failed the first time and then I came back determined to pass the second time. And so I went back, I had to physically go in the center and the thing that happened was the day I took it, never forget, it was August 23rd, 2011 was in there it just so happened it was an earthquake that day 
And it was, I was at the end of the thing. All chaos broke out. Like, you know, fire marshal bill from a living color. The um the fire yeah. marshal really showed up with the axe in hand because when a building shake with a structure shake, that's a fire hazard thing. So uh, the, the fire marshal literally is up here with an axe. People are leaving, but I was so far into the exam, I got to stay there. That has never happened to me. I've never had that situation ever, ever happen again, but I passed the exam. And so I said to myself, I am okay with the reality that if I get promoted and it's another agency, then I'm okay with leaving it. Eight months to the day, I passed the test on August the 23rd. I started at the new agency and got promoted to a more traditional schedule. And I and it was similar to a band because it was a 13-14, but it was general schedule. Yeah, I, I was in Boston when that hit. And um, it's funny because people don't believe me when I say, you know, I lived in California most of my life. And the first time I ever been in, a, in an earthquake was when I was in Boston. <laughs> But I come from Northern California, you know, I didn't live in San Francisco or, or LA. So, you know, it was, it was strange. First hurricane was in Boston and yeah, it, it was, it was really crazy. Um, but you're giving me flashbacks to when I was living in uh, Mexico city and I was in the 2017 earthquake and, and uh, everything just looked like a war zone when I came back home Um so yeah, no, earthquakes are, are, are crazy because you don't know when they're coming. They just come, right. at least with everything else, like, you know, flood, hurricane, tornado, you can kind of get away from right. it. But. I always told my mother <laughs> that if a hurricane ever hit D.C., because it's, it's on the Atlantic coast, and if ever, like, I'm packing up my stuff and coming back, because the one thing that I can say is that you can you can shovel snow, you can do all that other stuff, but you can't shovel a hurricane, baby. It's just coming and all the water and all that other stuff happening. And I was like, nope. So that's that was my one rule I had with with um, my parents, like about the weather, like because I never forget. I talked to this one lady, and she was like, um, I was in the middle of Hurricane Isabel. And she was explaining how everything went black because she was in the eye of the storm and came back. I was saying to myself, girl, I wouldn't even be here. I don't care. They ain't paid me no money for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my family, you know, have been living in Houston, shoot, what, going on seven years? Yeah, seven years. And, you know, they've been, they've been getting, <laughs> they've been cleared <laughs> every year. Yeah. Um, and then 2017, was the bad uh what was that hurricane harvey yeah and harvey yeah i'm just watching it on tv and i'm like oh my god oh my god and then like right after that you know i had i had went back to houston and uh it was like nothing happened and then the, the earthquake that hit mexico city happened so it was just it was just crazy stuff after crazy stuff but um but yeah what next what what's next in your career was next um, was my transitioning from the uh, public sector to private sector. So I left the government, but I got my project management professional uh, certification. And actually, the way I got hired at the private agency is that I got my PMP. They hired me on the spot. 
So I just started there and um, it was very different. It's very different when you go from federal employee to federal contractor. In my experience, every time I did something, especially in DC, it came across like, if you ask for specific instructions, they think you're going to try to sue them. I just want to be able to do my job and deliver to the best of my ability. And for my, for me with consulting, it was not like the best thing because it always, for me, came across like they didn't want to give out all the information um, because it just felt like they were going to get sued or something because, you know, things were finite. You know, you're only supposed to do this specific work order thing. And that was the major frustration of, of contracting for me, but I was very happy that I got out there in the private sector uh, because you get to see the other things. And then also I had reinstatement eligibility with the federal government so I can come back and, and get my grade. And I was a career permanent too. So I can come back, get my grade. Um, I'll be fine. And, you know, everything would be settled. But yeah, that, that helped me uh, get into the other the other things because the good thing about the private sector is it it tapped into my continuous improvement and I always wanted to get better I always wanted to challenge myself and with the government you can just stay at the job if you get a three on your performance appraisal like that's average it, you don't have to upgrade you don't have to upskill you just got to get a three on your performance appraisal for your midterm and your annual and you can stay there as long as you want you don't have to do anything Definitely. I'm sitting here like, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I know. But but it's true. We gotta it's be true. Honest. Even unless it, it's true, because it's like, as long as you there, you find it's very um, rare that you have to like, like actually continuously improve. And I was in an agency, one where like, it was a large statistical agency that produced um, indicators that people and businesses use. And then I also was in another agency that originated federal money, like federal loans that people use. And, it, it, and, it's, and it's like, it's the same. But what I will say I do like about the government was all of the training opportunities. That's something I would say I do like. Um, especially when I was in D.C., you could go to, then it was the USDA graduate school. I think now it's the grad school off of LaFont Plaza. You can get all of that training. Then you can go online and get training. They would provide you with a lot of training. So I will say with the federal government, they did provide me with a sufficient amount of opportunity to get started, to train, and just to learn more about, you know, different careers. If if anyone's watching this and they want to go to the government, what I will say is look up the Partnership for Public Service. Even though it's old, I think it's like 2007, they had things called mission critical occupations. Mission critical occupations are ones that go all the way to GS-15. And if your classification, which is what they call the job titles, goes to 15, it means it also go to senior executive service. That's extremely important because there's certain, if it doesn't, that means most of those jobs are support jobs and that they taper off at GS 11 or 12. That matters because when, when the federal government said they're doing these hiring initiatives and they're you know, aligning the government, those 
those mission critical occupations like economists that I work for, those positions are not going to be cut. They're not going to be right-sized. They're not going to be sequestered. Um, and program analyst was another one. I remember I was working for the government in uh, 2013 when they had the government shutdown. Well, I was in disaster, so I kept working. That's another thing that I want to impart upon anybody who's watching this. That's why mission critical jobs are important because if the government shuts down or something, you may be spared and keep working. And the thing is, because I was working during the shutdown, I got my regular paycheck. I didn't get the lump sum, which would be higher because it's, it's taxed differently. But it's just the fact that you were getting a regular paycheck. You, um, you, you kept working, you kept earning your time and everything. And I wanted to just impart that because a lot of people like, you know, you get a government job and that's good. But you want, if you want to do it as a career, you want to be in certain occupations where it goes all the way to GS-15 so your income doesn't get limited because you don't, I, at least what I feel is you don't want to go in general schedule you got from step one to step 10. You really don't want to get so far out like, like step five, six, or seven that they'll just ride you out in that step rather than promote you to the next grade level. And once you get outside of three, then you get a step increase every two years for four, five, and six, and seven. And then when you go from seven to uh, 10, I think it's every three years. So that's something I do want to let you know, because when I got my promotion, I was under like step three. So that means that you've only been in that grade one to two years and you get to move up. I actually started the government in pay band two, which was GS9 step one, because I had a master's degree. So I had a master's degree with no experience. I started at GS9 and I moved up all the way up to like 14. But that's, that's something I wanted to say, especially if pay is important, if you're going to richer areas like Boston, DC, LA, something like that. The more education you got, the more target experience you got, the higher it is. I never forgot relocating from Cleveland to uh, Washington, D.C. If I did not have my master's degree and I came into GS7, I would have been eligible for Section 8 housing. Working full-time for the government, eligible for government assistance. Be D.C. costs money. People don't understand. <laughs> D.C. costs money. I think now D.C.'s median income, and that's median is the number from zero to infinity, the one in the middle when you string out all the numbers is like 92K. That's a lot of when when your per capita or average American citizen is making 51,000 and you got to come up with 41,000 extra and that's the median in the middle. Like, no, DC costs a lot of money. I never forget that. I was like, and as soon as I saw that, I, I was thought to myself, like, Carl, you got to get out there and work and make some more money because it's ain't it if you only so so much from being in the section eight housing that was amazing at the time no you touched on a lot and and uh plug for myself i do a seminar here and there on you know um from a zero to 100k in the government because i mean if you start off at what a seven you can easily right. hit that that 100k in three years um so yeah check that out on switchingtotech.org 
Um, and then also <laughs> when you say, you know, you could sit in one place and do nothing. Cause I mean, I, I did for a number of years, I got literally paid to do nothing. <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was literally in Boston. Um, and you say Boston being expensive as hell. Yeah, it is. But I, I, I'll, I'll say I had a boo. <laughs> so, so, you know, 50, 50, no. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, when I when I was an auditor and I worked for the military, I was thinking about getting my CPA. So I had applied and paid all this money and everything else. I just needed, you know, somebody to sign off on the experience. And so my boss was like, yeah, like you got time and stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean I got time? Like, I'm asking you to do it right now because I don't know what's, what's going to happen in the future, you know, so I need you to sign off on this paper. And so the thing was, outside of her not wanting to do it, I actually had to get her boss involved in it and get her chewed out. But nobody had their CPA license in at the Air Force, <laughs> at the at the it's Air Force Air Force Audit Agency. No one had their CPA license because you can work there 30, 40, 50 years until you basically die mm -hmm. at your desk and never have a CPA license. And it's like, okay, well, nobody's going to private industry and none of this stuff. And, you know, we make enough to where we ain't got to do nothing on the side and don't care right. to. So why would I ever get a CPA license? You know, I'm the only dummy out here like, hey, you know, I want to get my CPA license because that's what I'm supposed to do as an auditor, right? So it, it was a big hoopla and it really pissed me off because I'm like, y'all is limiting my career. I don't know what's going to happen in the future where I might need my CPA license, you know? Um, and uh, you said something else I wanted to touch on, but I, I, I can't really remember. But uh, but yeah, I mean, government is cool. I got to do all kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, it is. It's uh, great. That, uh, you know, you would never, ever, ever get to do in, in, in private industry. I wish I could kind of talk about it, but I can't. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, just know that, you know, you get to do all kinds of stuff and know all kinds of things that, you know, you would never get to do in private industry. Um, and the pay is good. The pay is really good and the benefits are decent. So, you know, there's that. Um, let me see. Mm. When you moved from from Cleveland to DC, what what did your parents say? Did you have support? What were, what were they thinking? They didn't like it at all. Um, see, <laughs> uh, my mother didn't like it because at the time I was working for uh, the county, and she worked at the county, so she thought I was going to follow in her footsteps. She was very she was very upset. Um, she didn't like it and it didn't help that I had to get moved on Mother's Day. I started I started on May 15th, so May 14th was Mother's Day and I had to fly out and she was not happy, you know, about that at all because she thought, you know, that you were going to be, you know, I'm her daughter so I'm going to be like her. Um I was going to be um a, a, a white collar county professional like the one she interacted with and that didn't materialize because I wanted to work in my major so it wasn't she didn't like it but you know something my uh, my maternal grandmother she liked it which was her mother my father he was okay with it uh, but he was he was in the army so he moved around but yeah they weren't happy they thought I was going to stay here 
you know, work at Cuyahoga County, get a, a white collar professional job there. Because a lot of the people who I went to high school and college with, that's exactly what they did. They they got those positions. But my moving out to D.C., I felt is the best thing that happened to me because then you know like how much you can really make and and what in other opportunities that you had to make money and that I noticed that if I were to stay where I was at I wouldn't have like the purchasing power um I wouldn't know how to get like different types of money um my my uh my problem solving skills wouldn't have been as good um, and just ability to just do your career because like, you know, if it was the county government, it's just like you plug in, you set it and forget it. But in DC, it was like, you got to constantly like do better, continuously improve. At least what I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to go to like, the the top I wanted to get like to 14 which was very good for me and I do feel that that's why I said earlier in this interview the importance of like knowing what was mission critical knowing like which ones go to GS 15. Um, I've seen a lot of people who worked in the government who's frustrated that they couldn't get promoted or they couldn't get stuff um, and I looked at it and said, I didn't want to be that person. So I made sure that, you know, I looked at OPM, which is Office of Personnel Management, look at like what what their, what skills I currently had, what can be transferable to other classifications, what did I have to take? And when I was there at the time for a year, I lived in Virginia and I went to Northern Virginia Community College Arlington. I lived off of South Walter Reed Drive, but well, that was in Arlington. But if you walk up the street past King Street on the other side, it's Alexandria, and that's no Beauregard. So i never forget, I was out in Virginia, and I walked up for 30 minutes, just going up this, the hill to Alexandria to take the math class that I need to, to go and do the, um, to get the math class I need to like beef up my math for, to qualify for mathematician, statistician, mathematical statistician. And then when I came back to DC and got residency, I went to the University of District of Columbia math at night, took the calculus class, the linear algebra class, and the calculus-based statistics class. And little did I know those math classes would help me not just transition to program analyst, but also help me uh, when you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning got bigger a decade later. So I didn't even know that I had the math skill set for uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning until the pandemic when Microsoft was offering the monthly cloud skill challenge. So they have AI 900, which is artificial intelligence fundamentals. So I look at that and I see, you know, linear algebra and matrix and stuff like, well, I've done that before. I've done linear algebra. And I passed it the first time. That's when I knew that I qualified for all of this stuff that they're now talking about. But just the fact that I said, okay, I want to cast as wide of a net as possible with the different classifications so that I won't be stagnant in case I can't go all the way to 15 with economists. These are the other paths I can take. And that ended up being a great idea because that's how I got over the program analyst. And that's also how the math that I took then is helping me now.
Definitely, definitely. Um, Cause yeah, as you know, auditor, I could do program analysts, management analysts, and I don't have a tech degree, but since I was at a level at Microsoft, I can, you know, easily move into, you know, IT specialists. Um, and then I'm getting my master's in data science. So I could do data scientists, uh, mathematicians, stati- I'm going to say it wrong, statistician, <laughs> statistician. Um, and I guess if I take some economy, uh, economic classes, gosh, <laughs> I could become an economist too. Um, outside of that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's one reason why I do this podcast so people can see that, you know, at this point in time, you know, you got to have a whole bunch of skills to move around, baby, because, you know, you can, you can get laid off, you can become stagnant, you can, I mean, you might not be able to do a job because you get hurt on a job. I mean, just the mm-hmm. list goes on, right? So, um, so yeah, um, definitely, definitely. And one thing I love about the government is, you know, it has all the jobs, maybe even more jobs than you can find in private industry, you know? Um, when I was living in Boston, I, I knew a health inspector. And so she would go around to like the farms and, and things like that and kitchens and stuff like that. And, and, do health inspections and she told me never to eat sushi and never go to um Chinatown but um yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah um I'm, I'm gonna change this question up a little bit but um you, you kind of talked about your process on changing careers um you know what was the process going from economists to program analysts um in in the government like did you was it a lateral move or did they try to make you start at like a nine no it was was a promotion because i went from gs11 which was pay band three so it was 11 12 so pay band two i came in with gs7 9 pay band three was 11 12 and the pay band four was 13 14 Mm -hmm. so i was at as an economist the lower end of gs11 Mm-hmm. But that actually protected me because if I had one year, it was 11, 12. So that means that I didn't have to get a 12 to become a 13. But yeah. the way I got it was the um, certified associate in project management because that counted as credits for program analysts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was very important. And I also had my MBA, so I had management classes. Because the one thing that they're going to ask you for the government is, do you have 21 credit hours in that profession? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had 21 credit hours in economics in an econ degree. I also had 21 credit hours and a a management degree in my master's business administration. Mm -hmm. But that's something, if you do want to go into government, they're all going to say, do you have 21 credit hours in this discipline or do you have an equivalent certification or something like that? My CAPM really made the difference in me getting hired because like you were saying, you know, you had all these people don't understand the, the, the accounts that were for the government, they have accounting degrees, but they're not CPAs. The modern project management, which is waterfall predictive, was fine. It was created post-World War II with the Department of Defense. 
but there's not a lot of people that I work with that have project management professional certification or a certified associate in project management. So I know that that's what separated me for everyone else because it was aligned to Project Management Institute, which it which has been in project management now for over like nearly over 50 years. Yeah, or since 1969. And that really separated me. But no, it was a promotion and my captain got me my promotion and my PMP got me my other one too. Gotcha. Um so what are you doing currently? <laughs> currently what I'm doing is I'm doing IT consulting, I'm doing cloud consulting, I'm working with an educational techn technology company, and I actually am doing online community college. So I went back just to like learn stuff and continuously improve. And it really helped me better understand the, um, I was doing business, the, the requirements for like business when it comes to cloud. So they introduced me to Dynamics. So for those who don't know, Microsoft Dynamics is the customer relationship management software from Microsoft. So if you heard of Salesforce, then that's Microsoft's equivalent. And the reason why I wanted to learn about that is because I do a lot of Azure, which is the Microsoft Cloud. And sometimes when you get the requirements from the customer, you don't understand why they're saying what they're saying, because it's, it's like they must not know, you know, what Azure can do or what type of product or service that they're requesting. Well, now that I'm starting to learn about dynamics that it's okay, they put this in the system, they put this request, this is how they built the survey, this is how they're asking questions. Now I understand how the request is coming to me. So I have the other side on the other side of the table of what I'm doing, but I'm also actively looking for new opportunities in IT cloud and project management in remote and DC. And I'm very happy to announce tonight that I passed my renewal for my SC200. So the security operations analyst renewal, I passed it the first time today. I was very happy about that <laughs> because that means that I upgraded and updated my cybersecurity knowledge. And that's something I always wanted to stay with because, you know, like I said, with statistics, cybersecurity is based on statistics. It's based on anomaly detection. So you have three standard deviations plus and minus. And within the two standard deviations, which covers 95%, that's normal. So anomaly detection is dealing with the two tail ends that are 2.5 apiece. And that's something that helped me transition very well in the cybersecurity because I had statistics background. Definitely, definitely. Um, people always uh, crap on community college, but community college be having the classes that you will not find at universities. Plus they're like one tenth the cost. So yeah. it, <laughs> if you listen in, like oh. I, I I've taken my best classes at the community college outside of that, Community college instructors are usually professionals that, you know, like moonlight on the side. So they have right. recent experience. Um, so yeah, do not crap on community college classes. Um, Cause yeah, you can take all your classes there and get you a better job like super easily and then pay one. Right, yes. 
those are the practitioners. Those are the people who actually work right. in the field. And also, especially in an economically challenging time like this, when things are drying up, if you are a community college student, you qualify for self. So what, ha what happened was, I, because I was eligible for student, I was eligible for the Microsoft Student Hub. So from now until June, they're still giving out free uh, Microsoft Fundamentals training and practice tests and exam vouchers until June. What's happening now is they're starting to pull back on the Microsoft Fundamentals like virtual training days. So for, uh, uh, before now, before 2023, if you attended the online, say Azure Fundamentals, which is AZ 900, after five working days, you complete the webinar, you would get a free um, exam voucher. They're pulling back from that. But if you are a community college or eligible student, you will still qualify for that program. And I tell people all the time, take advantage of those programs. Even though it may be fundamentals, at there, if you go in Indeed or Microsoft, and type in Azure Fundamentals, there are literal jobs that have that as a requirement. So don't knock the fundamentals. They I, There's something I've looked at. They, they have Azure Fundamentals, Azure Data Fundamentals, Azure AI. Like right now, everybody's talking about artificial intelligence and the future of work. Getting your Azure AI Fundamentals is great. They haven't updated it yet. I do think with Azure OpenAI service, they're going to update the fundamental certification. But the one thing about fundamentals is it never expires. So you will always have it. And then you can always put that on your resume and that would distinguish you from other people. So just to build on top of like the community college, how just being an eligible student really protects you when they start pulling all of those vouchers and those things away uh, if you are in community college or any type of eligible student, they're still holding on to the student programs longer. Definitely. I, I keep my uh, university email active. <laughs> too. I'm, I'm on Spotify right now. Like, and I wasn't a student like a couple of, couple of uh, months ago. You know what I'm saying? I got that discount. So, you know, I don't know how they be checking or whatever, but shoot, I, I, I stay with my little student discounts through my email. But, uh, but yeah, no, I guess eventually, I guess I should get my, my AI fundamentals and data fundamentals since I'm, I'm studying data science now. Um, Cause yeah, I've been trying to figure out like, is there a certification I think I want to get? Cause one reason why I'm like, I'm trying to move away from data, uh, from, you know, like cloud is cause I'm, I'm tired of these certifications. I'm just like, I'm, I'm over it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather go be a, a, a mathematician or something, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, they ain't got no certifications. Um, and, you know, uh, I guess uh, luckily Microsoft doesn't have renewal fees or anything like that. But once you start getting into like, you know, CISSP and CISA and Security Plus, it's like you got renewal fees and stuff like that. Um, like it's a I don't want to say it's not a real profession, but, you know, I also have my insurance licenses and that costs me one hundred and fifty dollars every two years. And I'm like, this ain't even really nothing. You know, they ain't even regulated by nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very different but um but yeah um 
Um, what's another question I want to ask you? Um, because I mean you're you're really off the beaten path. Um yeah. let me see. What uh, what are some tips and tricks you give somebody, whether it's being like an economist or you know, a cloud person or whatever to sure. get in the field? What I would always do is look at your current skill set and see how what what transferable skills you can go to other industries. So like right now, everyone's talking about artificial intelligence and the future of work. But if you set that aside, look at what you currently do, what you're currently good at, and where you, you can see a job or a similar job in a growth area. And that's how you pivot and transition. Also look for training, uh, and like, don't discount, you know, online community, like community college. Also don't discount the labor office. A lot of people talk about unemployment, but they don't talk about the workforce development, which is the other side of the labor office. And they have, you know, U.S. Department of Labor opportunities that are available, like the Workforce Opportunity Innovation Act or WIOA that I took advantage of to get my Idol 3 Foundation and two of my artificial, not artificial, um, AWS. So I got my certified cloud practitioner, my solutions architect, associate certifications through workforce development uh, training. So I got the training for that. And the, the voucher passed all of my certifications. And those two AWS certifications uh, paved the way for me to get accepted into Amazon Web Services Community Builder, which is the volunteer program. That's, but yeah, that's something else I would talk about because it's one thing to tell someone to develop skills and you need to do this, but you're not really giving them like options or where you can potentially get these skills at. Also, check out your library card and see if your library subscribes to LinkedIn Learning. That saves you $29 a month because LinkedIn Learning is, comes with premium subscription. So if you qualify or if your library subscribes to LinkedIn Learning, you can get the exact same catalog as LinkedIn Learning for free. Um, it, I use LinkedIn Learning to renew my project management professional certification. A lot of those professional certifications, uh, you can use LinkedIn Learning to renew it. Um, it. They're called continuing education units, or if it's project management, it's professional development units. But the, you can use those either to apply or sit for certifications. And if you were to go through the, your library, check to see whether or not they have you know, LinkedIn Learning a subscription if they do use that to upskill and get the skill sets that you need. Um Udemy is on there too. Um certain, yes, certain Udemy, yes. that, but uh yeah I always be forgetting about the library. I used to live at the library when I was a child. Um I used to make my father take me all the way to the other side of the city to the black library, the Martin Luther King Library. <laughs> because they had all the black books um so yeah no uh, people forget about the library and i mean youtube youtube is free you know um yes. coursera um uh, what's another one um those are those are those are huge for a whole bunch of stuff um i'm taking me a, a udemy class right now with a guy 
I'm trying to remember how he says integer because I was like, I'm not even understanding what he's saying, but I like the way he's he's teaching it, you know, with the screen and everything. But I'm like, he ain't saying the words <laughs> like how we say them in English. Um, so yeah, but I've taken some really good courses on Udemy for sure, for sure. If you're more like a visual hands-on type of person, um, project type of person, for sure. Um let me see. Uh, last question. What has been your favorite career so far? My favorite career so far, I will say, is it's, it's torn in between my economists because it just validated my work in my degree and being able to teach people um, Project Management Institute, I mean, um, instructor. Just being able to help other people get certified and seeing how they were able to make more money, help, you know, fortify their family economically. Those were the things that I truly, truly like. So I like doing those things. That's why I gravitate so much to education, technology, uh, and, and certification and pass the CompTIA, you know, tech, technical training exam. I still have to do the online thing, but because I like technical training and I like helping people like reach their potential in that, and um, like I mentioned, like that, that those are still like jobs that are necessary. I just like being able to help people and being in STEM and being in IT. So those are the two careers that I think I do like. I like where I'm at right now. I am looking for new opportunities to reach out to me. But yeah, those were the two jobs I like the most. So I'm not being a trainer. I mean, pl another plug, I do a monthly seminar usually. Sometimes I take a break. But like you said, I enjoy doing, you know, I enjoy teaching. I, I do live resume reviews and live LinkedIn reviews every month. And, uh, you know, seeing people say, hey, you know, getting testimonials and things like that. Some people's resumes and LinkedIn is just crap. So, um, so yeah, I enjoy doing that. Um but, you know, I got my Microsoft certified trainer when I was at Microsoft and I thought that, you know, all these opportunities would be coming my way and it's, it ain't did nothing. So I'm like, Microsoft certified trainer costs a lot of money <laughs> to get and to maintain. So I'm just like, what is this? But, you know, um, could be other reasons as, as we both know, but, <laughs> but um but yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I, I get you on that. And yeah, like I, I got validated. It took me a month to find an auditor position. And that's that's damn good in the government. Um, mm -hmm. It took me a month. And uh, yeah, I was really working in a month too. Now I'm sitting here thinking, I think it might've been like a month and a half. And, you know, that position required a clearance. And I'm telling my parents, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna take like a couple months, couple weeks, you know, to get the clearance and stuff. And they're like, yeah, no, you can start. I'm like, what is this? But you know, um, same with my economist. I never forget. I interviewed there on April 18th, on April the 21st. I flew back. They said I got the job. Like 72 hours later, I got the job. And my initial start date was gonna be May the 30th, but then I realized I had to start early because my first pay wouldn't have been the June, June 8th and I needed 
to have like the rent money by the 15th. So by moving it up to May the 15th, I got paid and I had the money. I never forget my first paycheck um said $1,218.23. I was like, girl, I made it because my rent was like 900 bucks. But I just kept <laughs> I just kept moving from there. It's, but yeah, the the government like any other time, it'd take you three years because it actually took me like three years to get the interview to get the thing. But the minute I interview on Friday, the next thing you know, I had it on Monday, and I just started working from there. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, nobody believes me when I when I tell that story of oh yeah, I got my my clearance that quick, and then you know mm-hmm. nobody believed me. But uh, but yeah um tell us where to find you carla sure you can find me at carlarjenkins.com uh that's my universal social media handle on linkedin is carla r jenkins uh facebook carla r jenkins and you can also email me at info at carla r jenkins or go directly to my website page click on contact and you'll get me directly. But yeah, thank you for the opportunity to interview and talk about career changes. I greatly appreciate it, Elise. Yeah, Carla posts good stuff. She has a she has a newsletter that she sends out um, every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Carla, for doing another show because she, she did one before. Um, y'all see that one. And uh Yep. My name is Elise Robinson and Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribed. Um, This is number 25, I think, 25. So I'm going to do 30 and then I'm going to take a season break because that'll move me into the summer. Um, And I ain't doing nothing during the summer. So um then we'll start up season two I guess in the in the fall so (laughs) I got five more to go and then we're done so uh again thanks for watching y'all and see y'all next time see you